<laughs> Nobody's good enough for Jim Valenti. And Liz just looks at him. <laughs> I just want them all to be in love and stay in love and be happy. Y'all know how I feel about Bill Sadler. And now Bill Sadler does too. Hello and welcome to Pass the Hot Sauce, a Roswell podcast. I'm Aliza Ora. I'm Lisa Abigail. And I'm Lorena Rose, and we're here to talk about every episode of the 1999 WB series Roswell, one episode at a time and spoiler free. Today we are discussing season one as a whole because we have finished season one, you guys. And we are very happy to have our lovely producer Ashley joining us on mic for this one. You may have heard her voice a few times as she's chimed in with helpful tidbits over this season. Season. Uh, you also will know her if you interact with us at all on Twitter or Facebook because she manages our Twitter and co-manages our new Facebook page with Aliza. So Ashley, welcome. We're so glad to have you on, Mike. And I am so glad to have another new watcher with us. So glad to be here. Yay, Ashley. Yeah. So we thought that we would take this opportunity at the end of the first season to look back over the season as a whole and talk about some of the big themes that we saw, some of the character development that we thought was great and some that we thought was not awesome. And then also talk about what we think and hope will happen in season two and beyond. So let's kick it off talking about the main themes of the show. Um, I think when this show came out and still now, the main theme that you see folks talk about is alienation. And of course, we have this not at all subtle uh, parallel between teenage alienation and literal outer space alienation. So we (laughs) definitely see this throughout the whole series, um, but I think we see it in a few different ways. So obviously we have our, our literal aliens. Then we have the humans who know the secret, which alienates them from some of their friends, as with Liz and Alex at the beginning, when Alex doesn't mm-hmm. know. We have characters alienated because they don't know the information, uh, like Kyle, although he probably would have been alienated anyway, after Liz was like, <laughs> bye, I like Max's hair better. Bye, peace. With those spider bangs? Why even? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, But I think it's an interesting thing to think about as we have all these characters who feel like, you know, I think every teenager feels like, oh, no one could possibly know what I'm going through. No one's ever felt this way before. And I mean, in some sense, that is valid because everyone, everyone has unique experiences in their lives. I think they're just very amplified for the characters that we're dealing with because they are, again, either literal aliens or people who know that there are aliens among us (laughs) yeah and i think especially like me thinking back to when i was in high school like and i'm sure kids today still feel like that that nobody gets them nobody understands them but i was going through high school at the same time as the characters in roswell i graduated from high school in the year 2000 which is like also before the age of social media, which in some ways has made things even harder for kids today because there's cyberbullying and all that stuff. But yeah. as an adult, it's also helped me connect with people who have like interests, like people that I never had when I was growing up. I didn't have friends who watched Roswell. I didn't have friends who watched Buffy. I didn't have friends who were obsessed with the thing, same things that I was when I was a kid. And like now as an adult, being able to find that circle of people in the world has... Um, made me feel a lot less alienated. Yeah, I mean, in high school, like, you're at school every day for many hours. It's your whole life. You know, school is all you know. And like, it's not like districts are based on interests. It's just who lives near you that you end up in school with. So I think a lot of people end up feeling alienated and can probably relate to a lot of those themes in this show. Or you drop out of high school and don't have any social contact with your peer group for two or more years, and that's also very alienating. I have heard. (laughs) I can imagine. Someone sounds like maybe they're speaking from experience. Things are hard (laughs) for everyone in different ways. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Which is why we all can understand those feelings. Yeah. Speaking of feelings, 
I think another one of our major, major themes that everybody noticed in this scene was romance, romantic connections, and specifically a first love. You know, when uh, we were just talking about high school, and I think back to high school, the first boyfriend I had, I could not breathe like when something bad happened. I mean, like the amount that I felt for him that I was like so sure that I was deeply in love, like in the movies, it's all encompassing and really like intense, not like an adult relationship, I would say, at least mine was not. And I think that there are a lot of people that can relate to that, um, whether their first love was when they were a teenager or as an adult, the first love can be really intense. And I think Liz and Max definitely experience that and maria and michael too i mean yeah. they're mm-hmm. in their relationship is like has a lot of ups and downs and intense emotions in this first season as well and i think kyle represents a different aspect of this where i don't think he ever felt like he was really in love with liz but she was someone who he felt much more strongly about than she felt about him and that's another common mm-hmm. thing not just in high school but i think in high school when you then have to see that person every day and see them with the person they've chosen to be with instead of being with you. Oh man, like that. It's painful. uh, That's gotta be brutal. Right. And so I think Kyle is like the flip side of that. Whereas I mean, Max and Liz have their drama, but they are very sure of their feelings for each other. Yeah. It's mutual. Kyle is like, shoot, I felt this way about this girl, but like she didn't feel the same way. I think that's, where a lot of his bad behavior comes from, which does not excuse it in any way. Um, But I think it like opens up this insecurity inside of him where he's just like, well, I'm like a football star and I, you know, I'm a good looking cis white man. I'm used to things going my way. What's happening? Rejection. What's that? No, thanks. And we see Kyle cope with this in different ways. Um, You know, with our beautiful angel, Vicky Delaney, who we love so much and miss and we'll never forget. Uh, Um, Oh, Vicky. Vicky. Must have been a man who wrote your part. I hope Kyle didn't break your heart. Vicky Delaney, we won't forget you. But also, you know, with drinking and um, also with kind of like hating Max and taking it out on Max, which is Mm -hmm. a pretty common thing that you see with relationships that like Liz made a choice and chose a different guy. So it's not Max's fault. Right. And there's always that common trope of like hating the other the other guy or hating the other girl or the other person. And I mean. On that note, it's not Liz's fault either. Could she have handled the situation better? Yes, she could have. Yeah. But it's the heart wants what the heart wants. Like she yeah. also can't control that she's more attracted to Max and has a deeper connection to Max than she does to Kyle. Like, you know, so his feeling like his like very unfair treatment of her sometimes is a little bit uncalled for also absolutely it's not about fault because she didn't really do anything wrong i mean like you said she could have handled it better but like liking somebody else kind of moving on and having different feelings towards somebody else after you've ended it with another person nothing wrong with that that's normal that's life when you end something with one person you eventually start something with another person maybe it's like really close together and it overlapped a little bit and you know then we get into a gray area but like at its base like you know they broke up she moved on and he didn't right when it comes down to it she owes him nothing yeah Mm -hmm. totally i mean the only thing she owes him is like kindness Mm -hmm. and honesty and i think she does show that to him after a while (laughs) eventually yeah eventually but you know she's a teenager Let's see, what are some other themes that we saw in this season, guys? So one of the ones that jumped out to me a lot was the theme of family, which I think we don't like get as deep into. But so I was just rewatching Foursquare and there's this line and this is sort of setting up the whole thing with their destinies where it's like, wait, are 
Michael and Isabel siblings or are they supposed to be lovers or like what's the deal when Max tells Liz like yeah we've acted like we're family our whole lives like referring to himself Isabel and Michael but like what if we're not and we also have Max and Isabel throughout talk about like their real parents versus the humans who adopted them right and I mean, y'all know how I feel about that. Yeah. Um, but then we also have Michael, who feels like he's never had a real family, but like he has had Max and Isabel. He just hasn't had, you know, a nuclear family yeah. structure. He hasn't had a parent. He hasn't had an authority figure uh, who really supported him, which I think is why he was so surprised by Jim Valenti's support in the end. So I think there's a lot going on, and it's complicated by the fact that all of the parents that we do see are either clueless negligent or both throughout um yeah for mostly for yep. plot reasons i think the way you were just talking about it kind of made me realize that like it kind of separates the different aspects of family because michael has mm -hmm. family in that he has people who care about him who can emotionally support him but he doesn't have anyone you know physically keeping a warm home for him where he is safe and, you know, providing mm -hmm. food for him other than just beer to put in his cereal, yeah. you know? So it's like he has one aspect, but not, but not this other crucial aspect. Right. And I think another really interesting thing for me is we talked about like his first love with Maria, but she's also the first person who's just supported him and like been there for him unconditionally, who wasn't obligated to him in some way. Like, I think he feels like Max and Isabel, you know, kind of have to be there for him because like they're all aliens. And so they're sort of in this together. But Maria chooses of her own volition mm -hmm. to be there for him in this way that he's not used to and that he hasn't experienced. And in the finale, we see him pushing that away to try to protect her. But I feel very certain that we have not seen the end of their story. And I also think by the end of it, like the, what is it? Seven of them? I don't think I count Tess. So like the six of them are a family <laughs> in some way, like their relationships with each other are all different. But, like, I think the bond that's formed among um, Alex, Maria, Liz, Max, Michael, and Isabel is kind of unbreakable. And, like, isn't that yeah. what family is? Right. Yeah. Going back to, like, what he's really missing, too. Do you guys remember in the beginning that, like, they pretty much treated Michael and Maria both like children? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they did. Totally. They never listened to what they had to say, and they, like, basically acted like they were babysitting them the whole time. Yeah, like, they would say something, and they would be like, uh-huh, sure, sure, sure. Oh, he's just doing his yeah. thing again. That's just Michael. Right. Or don't tell him, because you know, like... Yeah. He doesn't need to know until we have it figured out, so he doesn't act rashly. Yeah, you know how he gets. Yeah, so I think that Part of that is them genuinely being unfair. I think particularly Max is really unfair to Michael. But I think part of it is like mm -hmm. the huge emotional growth that we saw from both of those characters over the course of the season. Like when Maria first finds out about the aliens, the reaction we <laughs> see from her is her running away, screaming. And then we get to this place by the end of the season where she's just like, I'm in this no matter what. I'm here. I'm steady. I'm like an emotional rock and I'm just going to be here when people need me. And similarly with Michael, I think we talked about this a little bit in the finale episode that we recorded, like when he got his own freedom, when he stopped thinking that someone else like owed him some semblance mm -hmm. of, you know, family or like caregiving or something when he took that on himself. And I'm I'm not trying to blame him for the situation he was in. Like, I think that's a very reasonable thing to expect of someone who is legally supposed to take care of you. Yeah. Um, but once he gets to this place where he feels more self-reliant, like he grows so much. Yes. I think Max is still unfair to him in some ways, but like you see their relationship develop a lot as Michael takes on more responsibility. And in terms of Maria's growth, I mean, you were just reminding us of when she first found out and totally freaked out. And then, you know, kind of thinking about that and then her relationship with Michael, where he did he did not scare her away. He tried to push her away multiple times and she kind of stood her ground and, mm -hmm. you know, was a bigger person was patient with him and was like, no, you can't push me away, you know, because I need you and you need me. And even though he made it hard for her, she, I think, grew up in those times. 
And she did it in a respectful way, not a creepy, I'm standing outside your window at 3 a.m. with a boombox kind of way. (laughs) Very important. Well, let's move on into the themes of identity in Roswell. We've got things like the human identity versus the alien identity. Also, like, good guys versus bad guys. I think Valenti has a big awakening with, you know, which side he's on, really. You know, at the Mm -hmm. beginning, we see him as a bad guy, but he always, I mean, he thinks he's doing the right thing, Um, carrying on his father's legacy, and then kind of realizing that doing that kind of made him on the wrong side and kind of coming to terms with that. And it uh, it was a big reckoning, and we saw him really grow and um, his character make a total 180. On a smaller level, we sort of see that identity shift with Topolsky as well. When Mm -hmm. she comes back for crazy, you know, she's realized that she was not on the right side here, that her team was not playing on the good side. And that, like, you know, happens in a much smaller, tighter arc than Valenti. But we do see that sort of identity shift in her as well, coming back to try and warn the aliens. And it's a much more tragic arc for her, too. But I think for both of them, it's this question of, like, are they going to stick with the identity that they've been given by, like, their career, their professional life? Are they going to stick with the mission Mm -hmm. that has been given to them? Or are they going to stick with the morals that are, like, inherent to who they are as people? Um, And they both, in the end, Mm -hmm. choose morals. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, I think that says a lot about who they both are. Unfortunately, Topolsky pays for that decision with her life which is a huge bummer uh for a lot of reasons not the least of which is that i would have loved to see more julie ben no we love julie ben yeah oh she's so good but i am so glad and i hope we see more jim valenti because y'all know how (laughs) i feel about bill sadler and now bill sadler does too (laughs) yes yes he does know how you feel Uh, for anyone who doesn't follow us on twitter um he recently saw one of my tweets about how hot he is and was like wait what me specifically about how he is the real sex icon of the show yes yes i mean you know i feel the way i feel um but just to take it back to the mission versus morals thing um you know i'm kind of thinking that there are those issues on both sides right there are people who take the mission over morals on both sides we see pierce obviously bad guy doesn't have morals and then um nesado also nesado is more about the mission i mean he's an asshole not a good father (laughs) not a nice person and he's he's all about the mission you know he's one of the quote-unquote good guys because he's like on the same side as our aliens but he's all about the mission yeah And like coming back to the humans versus alien concept too in identity, like we see, I feel like really different sides of the coin with like Max and Isabel versus Michael. Um, I think we talked about this um, maybe just last week in our finale episode, but where Michael seems to consider himself an alien that's stuck in a human's body, whereas like Max and Isabel operate more on the situation that they're like a human, but they have this alien side to them and alien powers. Like, you know, so they're kind of both perhaps by their circumstances and the way they were raised and the opportunities they were afforded and the parental situations that they had like have chosen different sides of this identity um but we see really different sides between them yeah and i think that a lot of the difference has to do with the way they were raised so i think there's the sense that the human side of them is like it represents you know the world around them and the things they were born with and the things that they're comfortable with and it seems like the alien side they are interpreting in some ways as like the more primal side of them and i think that max and isabel specifically have this conversation in foursquare where um tess is sending isabel the and Michael these dreams and Isabel says that it's like awakening something something inside of her and Max says that it's the same thing he felt when she was making him see their connection mm-hmm. um, and I think so like Max and Isabel have never really had to reckon with that side of themselves because of the way that they've been brought up and the privilege that they've had Michael has always had to be in touch with that side of himself in order to survive and I think that that's sort of like reinforced when Nisado comes along and he is I mean not wild and primitive but like he is very different from the humans he is just mm-hmm. like like we said he's single minded he's a killer he is just all about like like, well, humans have nothing to do with me. I don't care about humans. Humans don't mean anything. Yeah. 
Because unlike them, he isn't part human. Right. So he's all alien and he is like very much something that you wouldn't want to be, which is why I'm sort of glad that we got that little tiny bit with who we suppose is uh, Max and Isabel's alien mother, because we see like, okay, so the alien is also good. Like it's complex. People aren't just one thing or the other. So the alien side of them can also have goodness and love and sweetness and warmth in it too. And I think like that's part of what helps Michael get past this and hopefully be able to embrace both sides of himself because like, it's not just the human side is this thing and the alien side is this different thing. It's like, they're all parts of the complicated, messy process of building an identity for yourself and figuring out, who you want to be. Yeah, and it seemed like he was really like chasing his alien identity and like he seemed to be really more dedicated to they're not dedicated. You know, he was the one that was like more desperate to find out. And, you know, there's that's not a coincidence that he's the one who doesn't have a good human life and, you know, is probably thinking there's got to be something better out there. Mm-hmm. You know, makes sense that the one without a good human life is the one that is trying to connect with his alien life. And he even says that in, I'm, I don't remember what episode, so I'm not going to try and quote, but it's a conversation that he has with Maria and they both are like, there's got to be something better out there than Roswell, New Mexico. It's in 285 South, the one where they're in the sex motel. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Let's also make sure we talk about friendship because that's obviously a big theme of this show. Like, you know, first and foremost, it's a love story and it's a sci-fi show, but there's also so much friendship in this show that we see grow and change throughout this first season with the aliens accepting more people into their circle, more people into their friend group than they've ever had. We see it looks like they've mostly kept to themselves their whole upbringing and now suddenly their group, their friendship group has doubled as they've allowed other people into their lives and and how that has changed their lives. Yeah, and, and we see Liz navigating her friendships and some difficult situations with her friendships, you know, like she wanted to tell Alex. She, it was like killing her that she had to keep this secret from him, but it wasn't her secret to tell. And, it, you know, kind of seeing her being between her new friends and her old friends, definitely see a lot of different sides of friendship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think a lot about the way that those relationships developed was about like building trust. Um, I think another big theme of this is secrets, right? And what secrets do to people and like that was affecting their friendships in major ways. Absolutely. And so oh, yeah. once they all sort of decided to like let people in and be vulnerable with people is when they were able to build these relationships that ended up making them all stronger, both individually and as a group. Um, because I mean, we talked about this, like how much of what happened in this season, both good and bad, wouldn't have happened if if Liz hadn't known and then Maria hadn't known and then Alex hadn't mm-hmm. known. Right. And I think we came to like, overall, things went better because our alien trio had this support system. They had this web of people that they felt comfortable with and people that would give them good advice. And like an outsider's perspective sometimes can be really helpful when you're making these very, very difficult decisions. Yeah. And I really, I liked some of the unexpected friendships. Like we talked about a little bit like Liz and Michael's relationship that from the beginning of the series, like you don't think anything of it, but by the end of it, you're like, oh, like they really care about each other. Yeah. It's very nice. And we don't, we don't see a lot of those relationships um, between the boys and the girls that aren't romantic. And so I'm glad we at least got that little bit there. Yeah. So the next thing that we wanted to talk about is our characters and kind of what we hope to see from them in season two, uh, who we hope to see more development from and who we just hope to see more of. So what did you guys think? Well, I personally want to see more of Isabel and Alex. I feel like out of our six, um, those are who we've seen the least of. Whether or not it's as a couple, I feel like there's so much more development that I want to see from Isabel. Um, She kind of ends up being a background player a lot of the time. And Katherine Heigl is such a fantastic actress. I really want to see more from her. And Alex is like really developing into a core member of the team now later in the season. But especially for the first half, we didn't get to see a whole lot from him. And I really hope we get to see more of both of them in the next season. It's been really hard for me to put things on our Instagram account that are not just Catherine Heigl's facial expressions or (laughs) Mahondra Delfino's facial expressions. (laughs) They're both so emotive. Just the two most beautiful things to look at. Uh, The acting that they do even without saying anything, is so impressive. 
Agreed. So yeah, I'm definitely with you on that. That closely ties with something that I plan to say in a later section of this. <laughs> um, but for this section, I said that I hope to just see more of Kyle. He kind of just wasn't in a lot of episodes. Yes. And I agree I with Lorena. I also want to see more Alex and want to learn more about him. We haven't seen his home life, right? We've just seen his dad on the camp trip. Right. But we didn't learn that much about his circumstances and what the dynamics are like at his house. Whereas, mm -hmm. you know, we know a lot about other people's home life, like the absence of their parents. Right. I really feel that, Eliza, especially as someone who has read now at this point most of the books and has watched some of the new series Roswell, New Mexico, where Alex's home life is like 180 degrees, totally different from what it seems like it is in the show. So I'm really oh, curious really? to see what that looks like. And I want to learn more about it. Is his home life in the new series, uh, his p dad is a military background? Yes, his dad is in okay. the military and his brother is in the military, which is in the books. And he it mm -hmm. has indigenous American uh, heritage, oh, right. which is restored from the books, as is Liz's Latina heritage, which I say, woohoo, more of that, please. Yes, please. Yes, absolutely. My last one that I'll say is that I do hope to see Michael develop more. Um, we saw mm -hmm. so much development throughout this season, um, and I would love to see him open up more emotionally and and learn to be more in touch with his emotions. I just want the Jim and Kyle show. <laughs> okay, we'll see if we can get a spinoff. Okay, great. Thank you. Yeah, I put Kyle on my list as well. Um, I would really like to see him interacting with the group more often and interacting in a, a more positive way than he has in season one. I also said Alex. I want to see more. I put Alex and Isabella on this. I feel like you're right, Lorena. We don't see them as often as we do the other characters. Yeah. And I would really like to see more of their individual personalities kind of bloom. Mm -hmm. So speaking of characters, um, what are the characters we all hope get their fucking acts together in season two? The parents! The parents! Parents, the parents obviously. <laughs> where are they? Liz, like, where are Liz's parents ever? Ex except Jim, because he has now moved into the spot of being a good adult, um, yes. and he has taken the place of Milton, Milton in the Roswell community as being the only good adult. Milton, oh Milton, I want you adult. You showed up to work when flacking is the default. We miss you, we love you, we need you right here. Milton, oh Milton, why did you back to us Milton he's taken his place in the Roswell community and in our hearts except not yes. really they're just both in our hearts now yeah. <laughs> nobody could take Milton's place Jim's been in my heart all along amongst other places <laughs> <laughs> I will say in the beginning I feel like he was at least shown being a better father towards Kyle you know he was always like mm. How are you doing? Mm -hmm. Like, he brings him ice cream and stuff when him and Liz break up. And then, like, he gets really wrapped up in the alien drama and kind of drops the yeah. ball on being a dad. So I would like to see, yeah. in season two, I'd like to see them kind of rebuild that relationship, especially after that finale. Yeah. Oh my goodness, yeah. I would imagine, yeah. And also I feel like Jim is now dad to the whole group, kind of. Everyone, yeah. Yeah. Even if the other parents get their act together, I don't see them, I don't see the kids telling them about anything. Um, so I think Jim is going to be in the position of, like, the adult who knows, and, I mean, he's in the best position to help them and take care of them. He's risking so much knowing their secret more than any of their biological parents would or adoptive parents would because of his job and his you know position as like a, a public figure in roswell i assume that sheriff is elected there as it is in most places so like I mean, he's risking his career, his livelihood, potentially his legal freedom, which, of course, would also cost him custody of his child. It's just so much. Yeah. Well, I was also just thinking about um, this is kind of a little more about Michael's development, but in terms of 
Jim is like, you know, Michael was the one who said, like, you can't trust adults, period. You just can't trust them. And he was proven wrong and realizes at the end of the season that he can absolutely trust Jim Valenti. And I'm kind of curious, like, what's that what that's going to do for um, Michael's ability to trust people? You know, is he kind of going to be able to learn to trust people more now that he sees, oh, wait, I can trust this adult. Mm-hmm. I really want Max to get his act together. I know everyone's hardcore dreamers, but he has not been good to Liz. He has not been good to Michael. He has not been good to Isabel. He has been a horrible leader. We saw him being a good leader in the finale. We know he's capable of it. I hope he moves more in that direction. But I'm tired of seeing him starting fights with Michael and playing with Liz's heart and just uh, all around not living up to his potential. So, Max, take the summer, think it over, (laughs) get your act together, please. Yes, and I would like Tess to get her act together. Um, I think right now we don't know much about her, but from the things that we have seen her do, like making Max, you know, see them kissing and like she's coming from a, a different place than the rest of them. True. And so I would just like to see her develop more and uh, kind of fall into the group and be accepted. I kind of... And this, I might get hate for this, but I kind of see her as like she could be an Anya type character. Mm. And just kind of come in. Like not understand human dynamics. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and kind of kind of fit in. And I would like to see that because I, uh, I like the actress and I think that the character has potential to be really cool and really yeah. uh, interesting to mix in with the group. And I just don't feel like they have given her that chance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel the same way. And again, like, I also haven't seen the series. And so I think people who have seen it hate her a lot. And I'm sure (laughs) there are very good reasons for it. At this point, I think we've seen a young teenager who has been brainwashed her entire life, has been raised by a very emotionally abusive and manipulative parent, and hasn't ever had a chance to really make friends with anyone her own age or at all. Um, And so I think she's had a really rough go of things. And so at this point, like I don't fault her all that much for the things that she's done, even though some of them have been really awful. Yeah. The real test will be, does she continue to do these things or does she learn and grow and develop? And I feel like the fans have let us know the answer to that, but we'll keep an open mind. (laughs) You don't know. You don't know. You don't know anything that's going to happen. Maybe all the fans are just playing a prank on you. You just don't know. (laughs) It seems possible. They're all just out to get us. Me and Ashley Maybe I talked with all of them, and it's something I set up with all of them. You Ooh, just don't you're know. So powerful. <laughs> <laughs> well, now that we've talked about some of our favorite characters and least favorite characters, and what we hope for our characters in the future, let's touch on some of our favorite episodes and moments from season one. So I think my favorite two episodes are the first and the last. When I was looking at like the list and kind of reminding myself what each episode is about, like the pilot, I just will always love the pilot of this show. To me, it is like, Mm -hmm. it's a really just the the perfect 90s teen show pilot. Um, Like it really sucks you in. And then Destiny, the finale, you know, I think it's like, it's a solid season finale and it's action packed, but not gratuitously so, you know, like. It had a lot of action, but they were all things that made sense with the arc that had been, you know, played out for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just had good writing and good acting. Um, my favorite moments are the ones with Katherine Heigl's facial expressions, <laughs> which I swear <laughs> yes. I wrote this down before you brought them up before. But yeah. um, her acting is just so great and her face is a nice one to look at. Yeah. So, Eliza, I agree with you. I think that those two episodes are probably the strongest of the season. But my favorite episode is the one where we all board the good ship Maribel and set (laughs) sail. (laughs) (laughs) It started with fear. How did we end up here? When the woman of your dreams is now the woman in your dreams. When it Homo, 
yes. Yeah, so Munsters, of course, is the episode where we get this amazing sexual tension that no one will ever <laughs> convince me is not there between Maria and Isabel. I know we'll never get to see more of it because it was on that kind of show, but I loved that. I thought it was really fun and really great. And even if it's not supposed to be sexual, I think that they develop a genuine sort of connection there. And it's really the first time that we see that between an alien and a human who aren't Max and Liz. Um, And I think it's powerful because I think subtextually it is romantic and or sexual, but in in the on the surface of the show it is a non-romantic relationship where an alien and a human are learning to trust each other for reasons that have nothing to do with having seen inside each other's heads and realizing how beautiful you think i am cuz like of course they both know the other one thinks they're beautiful there's no question of that ever so i really i love those little moments that we get when there are connections um that aren't romantic i love the friendship building that we see i like when maria is really there for liz i love when michael is there for liz especially because it's a little bit unexpected those are the moments where i most appreciate what they're doing with the show I also wrote down the pilot and Destiny, but I also put Crazy um, because I just love Julie Benz and I think she did a fantastic acting job in that episode. Mm -hmm. I feel like Crazy was just one that really held my interest all the way through. Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah. I think the whole arc at the end was really strong. Like that arc with Crazy through the finale. We talked about this, like they did a lot more planning than usual and it showed. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And some of my favorite moments, um, I wrote down Max's little uh, attempt at a joke in the pilot where he says, I prefer not of this earth. <laughs> and Liz just looks at him. Yeah, so good. <laughs> like the only time Max ever made a joke in his life. <laughs> Except when he was drunk with Kyle. And then he was a real prankster. <laughs> I also really like Michael and Maria's whole arc. I just really love them together and I love their relationship and how she's getting him to open up and to to trust her, but she's just wholeheartedly there for him, but unconditionally. It doesn't matter. She supports him, but she also doesn't take any shit. She calls him out when (laughs) he is being jerky. So I really enjoy that she puts him in his place when he needs it. Mm -hmm. Yes, I like that a lot, too. The last favorite moment that I wrote down was just the way that you get to see Michael and Liz's friendship mm-hmm. in Tesla's Lies and Videotape. He really he has yeah. her back. And I feel like we don't see him do that for many people. And so it's just a really touching moment. And I like that a lot. Yeah. Agreed. So my favorite, obviously, I mean, well, maybe not obviously, but as some of the rest of us wrote down the pilot episode, like that's what made me fall in love with this show. Like it drew me in from the first instant. I think just generally, like overall, it's a really well shot episode. Like it draws us into all of the characters and the story and makes us want more. So that's one of my favorites. And I also love the convention episode. It's just <laughs> like a fun, weird kooky episode i know it's sort of like a standalone and like in general i like plot lines that work towards the overall arc more but the convention is just a really fun episode like there's a lot of comedy in that episode and so that one's a highlight for me and there's a lot of milton in that episode there is a lot of milton in that episode for the last time oh poor Mm -hmm. milton And some of my favorite moments, I love Izzy's dreamwalking moments, especially when she's dreamwalking into Alex's dreams early on in the series. And like, that's kind of when I think that's what makes her start to fall in love with him in a way, even if love is a strong word for at the beginning. Oh, totally. She That's when she sees what a good guy he is. Like even his dreams are like just so pure and lovely. Yeah. It's maybe a weird thing to love, but I love Michael's, like, all the sequences of Michael doing the geodesic dome painting when he gets, like, really into school and starts showing up for art class and all of his, like, (laughs) dome painting and, like, refining his art skills. Like, I like that part. It's funny (laughs) because I remember that as, like, so much more of the show than it is. Like, I have these memories of, like, Michael, like, obsessing (laughs) over this dome for weeks. And, like, it was in multiple episodes. And, like, it really wasn't. But, like, in my memory, that was, like, such a huge part of the show. Yeah. Like, every time I see, like, a play structure that's a geodesic dome, I'm always like, ah, Roswell! 
Yeah. <laughs> like the one in Mahandra Delfino's backyard that's exactly. on Instagram stories all the time. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So should we move from our most favorite to our least favorite yeah i think we have to (laughs) all right who's first i think ashley (laughs) so my least favorite moments were uh all of the torture oh yeah in the white room Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah that was just not you know very fun and kind of hard to get through for me i also wrote down (laughs) max and liz oh no (laughs) and i know that that is controversial you are entitled to your opinions don't at us I am with you, Ashley. <laughs> it is just a bit much for me. It's the same reason that I'm not a huge fan of Buffy. And I knew Angel. you were gonna say that. Oh, love Buffy Overly and Angel. Overly dramatic and like just like don't get me wrong, I get it. They're the first, you know, the first true love. It's the first like, love thing. It's yeah, and and I respect that and I get it. I just prefer, you know, second, third, fourth. <laughs> 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 So I'm ready for their drama to die down. And then I think absolutely my number one least favorite moment from the entire season was when Max punched Oh, yeah. Yes. First of all, they clearly had some idea that this was happening prior to Independence Day or whatever episode that was where we got to learn about Hank. Mm -hmm. You know, he very openly Mm -hmm. goes through this in that episode and then... The next episode, Max punches him for really no reason. It was just uncalled for and very insensitive, and I hated it. Yeah, yeah. it's bullshit. Yeah. Yeah, and a few episodes later in Test Lies and Videotape, Max again starts a physical altercation with Michael. Yes. Yeah, I all I agree with all of those moments also. Physical violence is always a no-no. Use your brain, use your words, don't yeah. use your body, people. I think my least favorite episode overall is Leaving Normal. Oh my god, yep. <laughs> yeah. It just is uh it's just so out there. It's just so weird. It's so early in the series too that you like kind of forget about it later, but it just like has nothing to do with anything else and like I just don't love that episode. For those yeah. of you who maybe have also blocked that episode out of your brain, that's the one where Liz's grandma shows up and then dies, but then Max can like bring back her ghost or like a vision of her essence or something so that Liz can have her final goodbye. It's just weird. I'm not here for it. Um if there's anyone who is listening who does really like that episode, let us know why. I mean, I would really be interested yeah. to hear from someone who who does really like that one. Because um, I feel the same way as Lorena does. To me, I, I felt like it didn't fit. Um, and and there's some inconsistencies, like, you know, that, that power that Max uses that we just never really see again. I also, maybe I just don't like the hospital ones because I also don't like Blood Brother. But I really don't like that one because they just are so awful to Alex. Like, they bring him in, they won't tell him what's going on. He trusts them and, and they still don't trust him after that and let him in. And that just really bothers me. Like, I think we could have had a lot more character development from Alex if that was the point that they let him into the group. Um, so my least favorite episodes are the ones that I think are the most misogynist. And those are Heatwave and Blind Date. I think in both of those, we have women or girls being treated very poorly. Mm-hmm. Uh, really for no reason, and it's not acknowledged how poorly they're being treated. So in Heatwave, um, we talked about this. And I, I really enjoyed watching the episode with Mahandra and Brendan's commentary. But I was also like, uh, there are so many things. And I won't go over them again because we talked about them in our episode on that uh, at length. But there are so many things that was just like there's just no reason for us to have to see this girl in her bra or like for us to have this line go unchallenged. And so I, that bothers me. Like I'm fine with depictions of societal problems if they are acknowledged, but when they are just presented as being okay, then I have issues with it. Um, I also think blind date Max treated Liz really poorly. Being drunk is not an excuse for that. Kyle treated Liz really poorly. Being drunk is not an excuse for that. And then it was just like, well, in the episode Sexual Healing, it's supposed to be less than a week later. And Liz is just like, oh, Max, everything's fine. People do weird things when they're drunk. Let's make out constantly. I didn't buy it. Um, I agree. I thought Leaving Normal was like boring and weird and Blood Brother was annoying and dumb. 
<laughs> My least favorite episodes and moments are pretty similar. Leaving Normal a least favorite one. We already mentioned that. I think my other least favorite one was Blind Date, just because I hate the premise so much. The misogyny, um, you know, you mentioned <laughs> that Max and Kyle both didn't treat Liz well. Maria also didn't treat Liz well, signing her up for something that she did not consent to. Um, and mm-hmm. the worst person in my mind, or the one that comes to mind, is the, who is it, like that radio host who kept just saying creepy things oh. about Liz? It was so creepy. Like, she's, what, 15, 16? It was gross. But I must say, I do like the, like, Kyle Max um, hijinks when they're out on the town drinking. Um, And, you know, Max is suddenly, like, up on top of a high up thing. I, I thought those moments were funny. But, yeah, generally, I didn't like the misogyny and that one moment of fat phobia at the beginning. Let's move into, like, what we hope for in season two. What are our predictions moving forward for our characters? Well, this is not a prediction, but a hope for some gay love that we, t- like, we talk about oh. all the time. But I'm... yeah, I think you're nice. going to have to wait for the reboot until Roswell, New Mexico, when yeah. we get to that <laughs> after we finish the original oh, Roswell. Like... You'll get a lot so of so much gay love. Yeah, you'll get a lot of gay stuff in the reboot. I'm very excited for y'all to get there. I'm so excited. I really liked, like we said, the arc at the end um, of this season, and so I really hope that we have kind of more of an arc and fewer one-off episodes. Um, and I hope we learn more about the planet that they come from and about this bullshit destiny of Max and Tess. And I also hope that the characters can process or at least acknowledge their trauma. Yeah. I also hope we get more alien backstory that we start learning about their planet and where they're from and how they're going to get back there, either from Nacero or, you know, through their own journey. I just hope they make more discoveries about that. I also just want Max and Liz to get back together and Maria and Michael to stay together forever and Alex and Isabel to stay together forever. I'm sorry. I love love. I don't want like the drama. Will they? Won't they? Like star-crossed lovers shit. Like I don't want breakups. I just want them all to be in love and stay in love and be happy. And like maybe Tess and Kyle could get together so that they're not alone. And then everyone can just be in love and happy forever. I think that uh, my prediction is that Liz and Max will be back together within the first four to five episodes. (laughs) If that, that's like max. I also think that when they do get back together, I think Liz will dive into the alien business a lot harder than she did in season one. I think she'll have more of a backbone about it. And I think that she will be way more involved and, and pressing them to let her be involved. I think Tess is going to be around for a while, and I think that Kyle and Jim will kind of round out the the core group, and I think that that will be the group going forward in Season 2. I also have some hopes written down, as well as those predictions. My hopes are that we have more Alex and Isabel, that the parents get their stuff together. A lot of these are things that we have talked about already. And I also am totally on team Jim and Amy now. And so I'm hoping in season two, I can see that relationship develop. I don't know. I like Jim a lot more at the end of season one than I did at the beginning of season one. And I think, I don't know, maybe I'd like to see where that goes. Yeah. I just loved the look on Lisa's face, the horrified look on Lisa's (laughs) face when you said that. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Like, Lisa, keep your faces to yourself. You just want him for yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody's good enough for Jim Valenti. No, that's not it. So I am 40 years younger than Bill Sadler. And like, not that I would ever have the opportunity, but like wouldn't actually enter into any sort of relationship with this man. Right. He is... 19 years older than Diane Farr, who 
plays Maria's mother, who, and there's only 12 years between them, and this is such a TV thing, and I hate it, where any man, no matter how old he is, is going to be dating a woman who is between 25 and 40, no older, because as we all know, once a woman gets past 40, she is completely useless. And that's what I don't like. Like, Jim, at this point, is a character who is in his 40s or 50s. He needs to find an age-appropriate love interest so that we can see that that is okay and it is good for people to do that and maybe he can find someone who has similar interests to him and a similar worldview which we know Amy doesn't really she's just like well the other single dudes in Roswell all live in the freaking retirement home so <laughs> Jim's at least got 10 years before retirement I guess I'll stick with him <laughs> I don't like it to be fair we don't get to see a lot of them behind closed doors like what they talked about and what they bonded on I think it would be interesting to see what common interests yeah. they have I think they seem to have fun together. Yeah. Um, I also would really like to bring up, because of everything that Lisa just said, I think I brought it up when we were talking about that, but I didn't quite know the name of the sketch. It's from Amy Schumer. Um, From Inside Amy Schumer, there is a sketch called Last Fuckable Day, and it totally talks about that double standard and how like women over a certain age just like cannot play love interests. And it's very funny. It has such a great cast. So check out Last Fuckable Day when you have a chance. So I I want to be clear that I'm not just anti Jim and Amy. I actually think their characters are fine together. It's just the age thing that drives right. me crazy because it's such a trope in everything. I don't think Max and Liz are good together from what we've seen so far. I know all the dreamers are gonna hate me for that, but you know, I haven't seen the whole series. Based on season one, I don't think they're a good couple. I also don't think Max is gonna be good with Tess. I know this is very unlikely, but I hope that the teenagers all realize there's more to life than just being in a romantic relationships especially when you've been tasked by your alien mother with saving your entire planet from another evil race of aliens or just like a group of aliens unclear at this point but like priorities you know so i don't (laughs) think those will shift but that would be nice to see and then i i don't want to harp on the the writing issues because i already talked about those but i am hoping for a little more cohesiveness and fewer plot holes and I just don't want Jim and Kyle to have to move again. <laughs> it's been so hard for them. They need some stability. But my two big questions are, one, will Liz ever get to actually be smart and do smart things? Because I love the idea <laughs> of a smart teenage girl who's interested in science and math. And so far, the writers have told us these things about her, but they have not shown us these things. So I want her to live up to that character design that they apparently wrote down and then forgot to actually do. Um, And then of course, like the biggest question I think for anyone who's seen even a single episode of this show is, where is Milton? Milton. What happened to Milton? We miss you, Milton. Where did you go, sir? (laughs) Love it so much. Thanks for joining us for season one of Roswell. We'll be back Tuesday, September 1st with season two. But we have some fun content for you while we're away for the summer. Starting today with our face-off of our favorite moments from season one. Check out our Instagram and Twitter at Roswell Hot Sauce to see the full brackets and to cast your votes. And come back tomorrow to join us on Instagram Live. We'll be chatting with Christy from Roswell Virtual Party about all the excitement of Season 1. As always, you can find show notes and more info at roswellhotsauce.com and email us at roswellhotsauce at gmail.com. Pass the Hot Sauce is produced and edited by Ashley Helen. Our theme music is by David Belcourt. Our logo was designed by Billy Murray. Until next time, have a great summer. We'll see you on September 1st when we head back to class at West Roswell High.